Hello, and welcome back to Olivia Clark's Unsolved Cases. This is episode 3, and in this episode, we're going to be doing a little different than the last two episodes. We're just going to be doing a couple of short stories. The whole stories aren't necessarily short, but this is just a short, condensed version, you know? I wanted to include some more cases to the unsolved list. So, for the first case, we're going to be looking at the boy in the box. This one is a little bit messed up. It's a little more heavy than the last shark arm murder that we looked at. Maybe a little more heavy than the Lizzie Borden case because, you know, there's a boy in the box and that's a little bit more messed up than hacking your parents, I think. But, to get started, on February 23rd, 1957, a man was checking his muskrat traps in the woods of Subsequina, Hannah Road, in Fox Chase, Philadelphia, when he came upon a baby bassinet box with a dead body in it. Knowing that his muskrat traps were illegal, the man decided against reporting the body. First big mistake right there. Two days later, a college student named Frederick Benoist was spying on girls at the Good Shepherd School when he too came upon the body. Benoist was also reluctant to notify the police, but a day later he nonetheless reached out to the authorities. So, two maybe shady guys already not doing so well <laughs> not reporting bodies. One guy, a little bit of a stalker, came out. Good for him, I guess. The body was that of a young child who has since became known as the boy in the box as well as America's unknown child. The boy was completely naked and his hands and feet were wrinkled as if he had been submerged into water before he died. Furthermore, his esophagus contained a dark substance suggesting that he might have vomited shortly before he died, the cause of which appeared to be several blows to the head. Surprisingly, even though the case attracted significant media attention, no one ever came forward to identify the boy. However, progress was made in 2002 when a psychiatrist contracted the authorities with information regarding the case. The psychiatrist claimed that a patient of hers, a woman named Mary, confined that her parents had bought America's unknown child and, he, and used him as a sex toy. Like I said, a little more heavy, a little more messed up than the last two cases. According to Mary, her mother had been bathing the boy when he suddenly threw up. Angered, Mary's mother beat him to death. Mary claimed that she accompanied her mother to Northeast Philadelphia Woods, where they wrapped the boy in a blanket, placed him in a box, and left him there. The investigators were convinced that Mary was telling the truth, even if she, even if she was mentally unstable. However, when Mary's name leaked to the press, she left the country and no further efforts have been made to investigate the curious case of America's unknown child. This is a story that really disturbs me because if it is true, you have two messed up people using a little boy as a sex toy and then murdering him because he threw up in the bath and uh, their daughter helping bury him in a box the whole family is just messed up that poor little boy poor little boy 
moving on to our next short story which isn't actually that short but this is a very condensed version the black dahlia on january 15 1947 the dismembered body of a woman was discovered in a vacant lot in limerick park los angeles so surreal was the scene that the woman who discovered the body betty bersinger initially thought she had come upon a severed mannequin the body was completely drained of blood and had seemingly been washed and the face had been slashed from mouth to ear the upper and lower parts of the body were placed a foot away from each other and reposed the hands were placed over the head the elbows bent and the legs spread the intestines were tucked under the buttocks after the authorities were called the body was identified as elizabeth short later known as the black dahlia a 22-year-old aspiring actress who had been dating a married salesman. Right there is a little bit of conflict. Maybe a motive. Maybe not. Six days after the gruesome discovery, on January 21st, the editor of the Los Angeles Examiner, James Richardson, received an anonymous call. The caller told Richardson to expect souvenirs. On January 24th, a curious envelope was discovered by a U.S. Postal Service worker. The envelope was addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers. The letter contained Short's birth certificate, photos, and other personal belongings. On January 26th, another letter came. It said, Here it is, turning in wed, Jan 29-10 a.m., had my fun at police, Black Dahlia Avenger. The note included the location where the killer would supposedly show up. The police waited patiently, but to their dismay, the killer never showed. That same day, another note was sent. Have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. Over the years, the police have questioned countless suspects and self-confessed Black Dahlia killers. However, to this day, the Black Dahlia's murder has not been found and remains one of the most baffling unsolved murder cases in history this short story doesn't discuss what some people know what i know um a doctor that supposedly had been stalking her and knew her and had a picture of what seemed almost exactly like her and his son later decided that he was the murderer and it would make a lot of sense his house had like a downstairs shower and he had all the surgical medical requirements that would have required that would have been required for the killer to have had and i just think it would make sense that he was a killer but still he was never charged it wasn't ever proved that he did it so it's still unsolved Moving on, this isn't a case that I had ever heard of before. It's called the Icebox Murders. And basically, on June 23rd, 1965, Houston patrolmen paid a standard visit to the house of an elderly elderly couple, Fred and Edwina Rogers. To their surprise, they found the house empty and were probably on their way out when one of them decided to check the fridge. Charles Bullock, one of the patrolmen present that day, recalled the scene. In quotes, opened up a refrigerator and see nothing but meat stacked in it. My partner standing next to me made the comment that it looked like somebody had butchered a hog. We didn't know it was a body until we got ready to close the refrigerator and we could see the head down in the bottom of the vegetable bin. Close parentheses. 
Police investigated and discovered that Fred, 81, and Edwina, 72, had actually been killed a week before they were placed in the refrigerator. Edwina had been brutally beaten and then shot, while Fred had his head crushed. His insides were later flushed down the toilet. The killer was never found, but the prime suspect was and still is the elderly couple's son, Charles, who was 43 years old at the time. No one could ever find. He disappeared without a trace. However, recently, two Houstonians, Hugh and Martha Gardiner, have declared that they have cracked the icebox murder case wide open. According to the Gardiners, Charles, who was a geophysicist, was physically and emotionally abused by his parents from a young age. His parents lived in the house that was owned by Charles and constantly took out loans in his name. Tired of being constantly abused, Charles supposedly killed him. He then fled to Mexico, it is believed, and soon made his way down to South America, where he continued working as a geophysicist. This makes sense. It sounds like a good motive. It sounds like not a good motive. It sounds like a justified motive in a killer point of view. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. But yet, still, it can never be proved it can't be proved obviously he fled there's no confession there's no other physical evidence that would prove it was him so i think that we're gonna wrap this episode up there you know it's a quick little episode just talking about some of these cases i just think it's fun to talk about these cases and get my opinion out and hear your opinion maybe but that's it for episode three of Olivia Clark's Unsolved Cases. Thanks for listening and goodbye.